Hello and welcome to the Thriving Abroad Together podcast series and episode 14. I'm Louise Wells, your host for the conversations, an expat coach and consultant and author of Thriving Abroad, the definitive guide to professional and personal relocation success. I hope that wherever you find yourself in the world, you are staying safe and healthy in these quite extraordinary times. Now, as you probably know, over the past weeks, I've been recording and publishing this Thriving Abroad Together series. And in the series, I'm speaking to a range of amazing professionals who have expat experience, perspectives, insights and advice to share that I really hope will support you and your loved ones through this challenging time. You can go and take a look at the past episodes at the Thriving Abroad website. Just click on the tab Thriving Abroad Together podcast series and you'll see them all shown there together. And for each episode, there are show notes and you can download those from the blog post for each episode. Or to save you time and having to scroll through each episode, you can sign up to receive the regular newsletter and I'll send you links to the download in a document Um, containing all the show notes so far. Now I've created the show notes to help you get the most from each episode, providing a list of the key takeaways from each conversation, links to resources discussed and questions to help you apply the content to your situation. If you're listening to this on the Thriving Board website, also remember you can subscribe to the podcast series on any of of the major podcasting hosts such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or Google Play. That means you don't have to keep coming back to the Thriving Abroad website for each episode. So on to today's episode. Today I'm speaking to Doreen Comfort. Doreen works with returning executives, accompanying spouses and families who've completed overseas assignments. She's also the proud author of the recently published book Life in the Camel Lane, Embrace the Adventure. More about that in a moment. In this conversation, we're talking about coping with adversity, building resilience, and the best mindset for coping with change. Enjoy the conversation. Okay, well, hello and welcome. And I'm so pleased to have me joining today, Doreen Cumberford. Doreen, hi. Good morning from Mexico. Good afternoon from the UK. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good afternoon from the UK. So you're in Mexico. Tell us a little bit about why you're in Mexico and how you are finding Mexico at the moment. <laughs> uh, so um, part of my retired um, husband's journey and mine was that we decided to become um, part-time house sitters. And we set off on a global journey last year uh, in June. So we had planned to stay in Mexico for a few weeks. Uh, However, COVID-19 sort of interrupted that. We had a house at Cancel. And because the people couldn't go to Australia, they were going to be quarantined. And although their daughter had been given two weeks off, her job to be in quarantine with her parents, they chose not to go because that's not fun. And um, we, as a result, were left with 72 hours notice of what to do. We actually made a choice, much against our family's wishes, to shelter in place, thinking it would be two weeks, 
four weeks. Now maybe we're thinking it might be three months, six months. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Like all, you know, none of us know exactly mm -hmm. what will happen. Yeah. We were very yeah. fortunate to be able to rent a car and rent a house and we're comfortable and we have a great golf course to walk and we have cats who are feral cats, but we feed them and they keep us company outside. <laughs> so we're actually um, really looking for the gift in this system and in yeah. this disruption because there's always a silver lining in every disruption. Well, we're all hoping that we're going to find that one, I'm quite sure. And um, it's quite interesting that you, you, you talk about it in that way, because I've been thinking quite a bit about you know, expats around the world and how this COVID-19 situation has perhaps disrupted their lives in many ways. I mean, I know, I know expats whose partners are stuck across borders, so we've got split families. I know students who've had to make really tough decisions leaving university and whether they go back to the home location of their parents, which might never have been their, their home. Um, and then people who've been repatriated by their companies at you know, last minute patriations, no chance to say goodbyes and all of those things. So I'm really conscious that as well as dealing with the challenge of COVID-19 and you know, the social distancing that's going on, for example, in the UK and spreading around the US and, and working from home, studying from home, homeschooling, dealing with all of that, expats around the world are also dealing with their different transition experiences and being at different stages in that. So I think we're all coping with the challenges and that really brings up in my mind this whole subject of, of resilience. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and I'm thinking... And I certainly, from a personal perspective, over the last few weeks, and I'm not even being an expat at the moment, I'm in my home country, but I've felt my resilience being challenged. Challenged, yes. <laughs> and I don't think I'm alone there, certainly, from the conversations I've been having for the podcast. Um, but I know you've travelled and lived abroad and had so much international experience. I'm wondering what perspective and thoughts you have about resilience and you know, well, first of all, what, what does it actually mean, resilience? Well, you know, I, I think that resilience, I, th I have like four parts of things we can do to build resilience. Right. But I think mm -hmm. there are three parts to what resilience actually teaches us. And mm -hmm. a good question to ask ourselves is, you know, what life lesson is it we're supposed to be learning right now because building resilience is resilience is that ability to spring back it's the ability to mm -hmm. become courageous again and get yourself together and build your confidence and rebuild yourself and so it's mm -hmm. it's not just the suffering through the circumstances it's actually that flexibility so i think there's what is this life lesson trying to teach us and how do we think about bouncing back? Because so much of that is related to our mindset. And also, how can we be better prepared to build resilience? And from my perspective, I think expats are so well resourced. They have the opportunity, they have the motivation, and they have the perspective. Um, 
of living away from home and having to build new systems everywhere they go mm -hmm. at every opportunity mm -hmm. that every move is almost an exercise in building resilience. Ooh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yes, and I can definitely relate to that. Um, but I suppose as I'm sitting here facing where we are at the moment, and I guess the big question mark over it for everyone is this uncertainty about how long it continues for and therefore you know, duration and the impact on businesses and ultimately mm. jobs and financial security and all of those things. Um, I suppose when, when you relocate and you're settling in, there is this belief and, and probably understanding that you, you will settle. You will get to a point when you settle. And I suppose for me, the challenge at the moment is not seeing how that settling is going to play out. I think that the how, you know, I think as human beings, we frequently don't live in the question enough. Mm -hmm. And we jump into the how very quickly because mm -hmm. when we're in the how, how is this going to work? Um, we are trying to gain control. You know, we're yeah. trying to take action. And when we take action, we're in control. And we're trying to um, channel our energy into doing something. And mm -hmm. I think that really... Before we do that, there needs to be an examination of where we are and just sitting with it. I'll give you an example. When we lived in Saudi Arabia, we were in Saudi Arabia for 9-11. Now 9-11 occurred and then we suddenly realized within a couple of weeks, oh my goodness, it was Saudis who perpetuated this awful act. And then a few days later, we were like, hmm. So my neighbors, I lived in a compound, but we had Saudi neighbors. And I'm thinking, are you an Al-Qaeda person? Are you an Al-Qaeda person? So we were very, very threatened. Mm -hmm. Now that situation did not go away. For the mm -hmm. rest of the world, 9-11 happened, except for the victims and their families. Mm -hmm. But the, it was an occurrence that happened and caused many other things to happen. We had terrorism we lived with um, from like 20 months after that to um, the end of the Iraq war. Right. And so we actually were thrown into a situation like this, where it was like, how long is this going to last? And our whole paradigm shifted our whole paradigm mm. of how we lived in arabia had to shift we had to shift our thinking about so now how do i manage this new reality and i think that requires time and i think that covid has unveiled itself so rapidly and in some ways so surprisingly that we're still in the state of shock that we're mm. not in a position where we need to be thinking about the how, but we more need to sort of practice mindfulness, um, watch our thinking, be very careful with our energy and who we spend time with. So all of these things, um, I think, come later. I like that. Sit with it and sitting in the moment, um, which I guess draws on the mindfulness. Um, yes. Yeah. 
I suppose my reaction to that a bit is actually I don't want to sit with the moment at the moment. And that's, you yeah. know, and, and I find myself, for example, drawn to my phone several times a day and I'll think, oh, I'll just see what the latest is. And I'll see the headlines and think, no, actually, I, I don't want to sit with that at all. Although no, that's the reality, but it's not where it feels mentally healthy to be. Good practice. Very good practice. Limit your yeah. phone. Yeah. <laughs> limit the news. Limit facts. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm kind of conscious that I need to be doing that. So when you talk about sitting with it, then what are we actually doing when we're sitting with it? I guess I'm a doing person. So I'm, I'm kind yeah. of, yeah, I find we that a tough <laughs> <We> concept. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about what that involves. Uh, I, I, think that, I think that when we're sitting in the situation, um, we need to really pay very, very close attention to our own state of well-being. So that would be mental health, physical health, emotional health, which is almost the same as mental health, and um, perhaps spiritual health because for many people uh, some version of faith is comforting yeah, yeah and i would say you know there's a you can have a mindset a health set a spirit set and a physical set and mm -hmm. practicing all of that paying very close attention and just observing dispassionately if you can without getting hooked without getting triggered because watching the news and you know every sad story and every person who's le losing someone oh it's it's very it's it's very all encompassing for us as humans it's yeah. more than we were designed to bear in my opinion that's just the way I think about it yeah no and I think and I guess how it differs from something like 9-11 which obviously was traumatic and I remember that trauma and I remember the after effects going on for weeks if not months but then living in a different country we did go back to normal and move on um, yeah. not that we didn't think about the victims and the people who have been affected but it wasn't something that was surrounding us all the time. Whereas currently we're living through the experience, but also being surrounded by the stories constantly. Um, yes. Which I, and I can, yeah, see that that's, that has an impact on certainly my emotional health, you know, depending on the day. I think that's perfectly normal. Mm. And I think that that is something to welcome the ups and the downs because this is not going to be a straightforward process. Mm -hmm. I was on a call with um, three gentlemen from the Foresight Institute in Dallas or somewhere in Texas last weekend. And we talked about the way change happens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the ways is through transformation. And one of the ways is through equilibrium. So there's many, many different models for change. And I think that what resilience does, it kind of helps stabilize our, our, our inner self so that we can build an internal support system as we decide how we're going to respond to the changes. And it's never going to be a straight line. It's never going to be 
a, a journey that is very equal or harmonious. And I have had some crappy days here because we don't know anyone in Mexico. Hardly mm -hmm. a soul. There's two couples. There's one lady I met out on the golf course walking. And so we, you know, socially distance and go for a walk um, once or twice a week. And that right. has been finding those sanity breaks and yeah. then recording mm -hmm. them and documenting them so that on the bad mm -hmm. days I go, well, look what I achieved today and look what's mm -hmm. happened here. So it's always trying to, you know, build that support system, maintain a positive relationship with, you, with yourself and don't ever beat yourself up for having a bad day. Yeah, yeah. No, I think a very, very important message there. Most definitely, definitely. So, um, so re resilience, we're building it. Um, I mean, what, what can we, is, is there anything we can actually do to build resilience consciously? Oh, I think so. I think so. so. I think as expats living overseas, um, we have the opportunity to have a bird's eye view of how another culture is um, approaching this. And in Mexico, 60% of this country is very poor. We do have a burgeoning middle class. But the poor don't have the, um, they live hand to mouth day to day, and we're worried about them. Mm. Um, we can reach out, a friend of mine feeds, uh, she's the head of Feed the Hungry in San Miguel. Right. And they feed 5,000 children every day lunches at 40 schools out in the countryside wow. and they are no longer feeding those children because of this massive disruption the children are not going to mm. school mm. so um in true expat uh innovative fashion they have discovered uh different ways and they're continuing to fundraise and find different ways to package food and to get it to distribution places, not schools, mm -hmm. but so that mm -hmm. it will be going to poor people. So I think moving into action and helping someone who is less favorable than yourself mm -hmm. makes mm -hmm. a huge difference in an expat situation is finding some way to help the locals and to be the locals. Mm -hmm. And I think other things we can do are to um, reach out and learn the language. <laughs> you know, we had a Spanish lesson yesterday on emergency services. Oh, my husband has fallen and had a heart attack. Oh, my husband is not breathing. And oh, send the ambulance. That was the whole two hours of that. <laughs> By the end of it, I didn't know how to feel. I was like, I don't, I don't really want this ever to happen but you need to be yeah. prepared yeah, so no, 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 important, yeah. asking yourself you know how can you prepare yourself to navigate the turbulence and one of them mm. is learning the language and um perhaps reaching out to the neighbors putting notes under their doors yes yeah, so taking that action yes yeah that and then you yeah. can get into some action um yeah but it's and often those feel uh, like they're insignificant and tiny mm -hmm. but like, quite mm -hmm. frankly i feel like every act of kindness that any expat can mm -hmm. perform anywhere in the world makes us all better 
Absolutely. Well, I think that applies to everyone around the world, doesn't it? Every active Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that is one of the positives that's coming out of this whole experience, certainly in the UK. So definitely thinking about action and the actions you can take to support others. I can see that value, definitely. So talking a bit about mindset then, we've talked about, you know, you, you mentioned mindset in relation to um, what we're talking about, mental health, and, and just the way we approach mm. um, health and spirituality and um, anything that's sort of valuable to us, so our physical health, our emotional health. But what what message would you have around helping people to establish a healthy mindset because it can sound it's a bit like when people talk about fixed mindset versus growth mindset and it's much much better and um a better approach to have a growth one which is easy to say but perhaps not so easy to do all of the time because you know i've always thought i have a growth mindset but then occasionally or quite often actually i'll catch myself and think oh that is just so fixed and I'll be quite disappointed with myself. But yeah, so how, how do we consciously influence our mindset? Um, I think that, that there's, uh, there's maybe five things that we can do to cultivate and grow a growth mindset, which is a flexibility. Um, you know, when we're looking at, it's hard to see the picture when you are the frame. That's the, mm-hmm. the way I like to think about it. Because we are the frame for the photograph, we are, can't see um, other perspectives. And so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. um, growing our ability to be flexible, flexible is 100% of it, I think, is be willing to change. And I noticed myself in the last week, I thought I was quite a flexible person. You know, I've been an expat for four decades and now I'm doing this global, um, I'm calling it jet sitting. It's like a jet set or pet sit, pet sit. <laughs> jet sit I love that. Jet <laughs> and I've been enjoying this jet sitting for four years off and on. Mm-hmm. And, um, when we set out on this journey a year ago, I thought I was really pretty flexible, but I've been noticing as the, um, as the dials on the stress increase, mm. I've been noticing, oh, I'm not very flexible there. Oh, you know, I, I, need to, I need to just change my uh, thinking. And that is not easy. And it takes grabbing the thought in the moment to actually change your thinking because we have so many thoughts, 60 to 80,000 a day. Mm -hmm. And most of them just kind of go past on the screen of our mind, Mm -hmm. but it's necessary to grab a thought and write it down and notice, Oh my gosh, Doreen, you're not very, you're not being very flexible here. (laughs) So I think that that's really important. It's the frame of mind and your flexibility of thinking. I think there's, would you like another strategy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just, just, just to, that, that presupposes in a way quite a high level of self-awareness. That was the next it? one. <laughs> oh, well, there are then. <laughs> it does presuppose self-awareness, yes. Now, um, I have been a, a meditator for probably 
30 years on and off. I, I'm not being consistent for all 30 years. But I do some form of meditation almost every day. And now I notice that um, I did a, uh, a guided meditation with a Brit the other day. And he used very different ways to describe the awareness in your body. Mm. And that was like a new growth point for me. It's like, oh, I've probably heard, you know, thousands of guided meditations about relaxation. But this one was different. And I thought, hmm, this is what I'm looking for. Because this kind of growing our awareness, I think, mm -hmm. starts actually with our body and with our mind and getting into alignment with our head and our heart and our actions is what really is critical when we're changing our mindset. Mm. So alignment with our head, our heart, and our mind. Um, and our actions. And actions. Head, heart, yeah. and actions. Head, heart, and actions. Yeah, that gives you quite a good insight to <laughs> how. Yeah, so thinking about it from those three perspectives, definitely. Okay, any other strategies? Um, I also cultivating a growth mindset is um, when we're dealing with people is have empathy for them. When I moved back from America 10 years ago, I noticed that people's facial expressions were very different from what I remember two decades prior. Mm -hmm. And partly that was the influx of technology because we had started to look at screens all the time instead of faces. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. And I went, wow. And it really drove home the point to me that empathy had really become quashed in our society. And so I think having a growth mindset is building our empathy and feeling our way using all of our senses, our, our sense of, of imagination, our sense of smell, touch, of course, we can't use touch anymore, but just sense what it's like to be in that other person's shoes. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can see a very practical application for that, of living as we are in our homes with <laughs> our families around us in much closer proximity than we're normally used to them being for any period of time. Um, I'm having to call on my empathy as I you know, walk into the kitchen to the disaster yet again. <laughs> I mean, uh, not that they, they don't get told to do anything, something about it, but you know, just seeing it from their perspective and understanding um, how, I suppose I'm talking about my children here, who are both teens, they're adjusting and coping with the situation too, and um, very well so far, I have to say, touch wood. But, you know, for them, it's so so different from anything they've ever known and they've not lived through any form of crisis before so for them it's yeah it's, it's and so so many people were thrown into this without preparation um last summer we spent um a month in brussels on an assignment and um of course, I, my original home is Glasgow, Scotland. So we came home to Glasgow, yeah. Scotland, and, and Edinburgh. And we spent about six weeks in the UK. And I remember we looked at monuments, and we, especially in Brussels, we delved into the history of World War II. And I thought, what a gift it is to have 
the memories of that and to have mm. the stories from my folks installed right. in me. Yeah. Mm. But on the other hand, when I think about talking to my granddaughter, who's 14, I was thinking, you know, she doesn't have this point of reference. She doesn't have any of these stories. And you wonder how these kids have ways of coping yes. during this situation. So mm -hmm. having empathy, especially for younger people in my case, um, is, is really important. And while I'm not really happy about all this ageism that's going on and, you know, being elderly and, <laughs> <laughs> and being framed as an elderly and a vulnerable person and a crazy person as well because we didn't go back to America, <laughs> um, I find that that calls for a greater growth mindset in me thinking okay you know I just have to develop more grit and more grace right now for these people and I just have to be bigger than these crazy thoughts that are running through my head yeah so taking the conversation back a little bit you were talking about your time in Saudi Arabia and the fact that you were there during um 9-11 and then the, 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 the t t um, tough time after that and um, from that, you have, um, from that experience, and I think you said 15 years in total living in yes. Saudi Arabia. You have, you have ri just written and about to be published a book called Life, yeah. in, Life in the Camel Lane. Is that right? Life in, Life in the Camel Lane, embracing the adventure. Embrace the adventure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of the uh, things I talked about in there um, was dealing with disruption is, I think, one of the chapters. And, um, you know, finding the silver lining and getting prepared for another transition. The whole book is about, you know, basically one big transformation that, that I... And about 40 other, 40 to 60 other women that I interviewed all went through. Of course, we all right. turned out very differently, but we all had similarities and touch points that were all related to our heart and how we felt about living there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the book is, a, is it your story? It's a combination of everyone's experience. It's my story. story. It's quite a color learnoir. <laughs> so it's really um, a memoir of my story of going to Saudi Arabia and who did I meet and what did I learn from them? And um, just a combination, really, of other people's little mini stories all throughout. Right, right. Oh, fantastic. So I'll be sure to put a link to the book in the show notes if people are interested okay, thank to go you. and learn more about it. Lovely. Okay, well, I think we've probably come to the end of our time for the conversation. Is there anything we've missed that, we, that you planned to talk about that I haven't remembered to ask you about, Dory? No, I think, well, one thing I would just like, I would just like to say is... Um, for expats living overseas who are fractured or frazzled or just fed up with the situation, I think it's important to express and be a good example of global heartedness. 
because we're all civilian diplomats, whether we know it or not. <laughs> and the world behaving better and governments behaving better, I think, starts with individuals behaving better. So I talk a lot about global heartedness and just having that human connection um, and working in collaboration. So wherever you are, in whatever really challenging circumstances, I can only begin to imagine. I would just encourage that you spend time giving yourself um, a little dose of global heartedness and encouraging you to do something to reach out and make the not only where you are in your own community a better place, but also in your host community and expressing um, compassion for each other across the globe would be really helpful right now. And I wish everybody the best of success in navigating every moment of COVID-19. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing today. Much appreciated. You're welcome. And thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please review and rate the show. This will help to get the podcast listed more prominently and so help to get the information out to more people who would benefit from it. I'll be back soon with the next instalment in this series. But meanwhile, if I can be of any support to you through your expat journey, then do get in touch by using the contact form on the Thriving Abroad website. Wherever this podcast finds you in the world, please stay safe and well. Bye-bye for now.